Till Death Do Us Part is a lighthearted and sometimes satirical true crime podcast where we present our dysfunctional married take on serious cases involving other dysfunctional relationships. We hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the 76th episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. It's a beautiful rainy morning here in Bakersfield, California. This is it. This is our second rainfall of the year. Probably the last of the rainfall. I think so. Yeah, until the end of the year. (laughs) We've been up since really early this morning. Would you like to tell them why? I shot out of bed because this is what you get when you become a parent. You become really sensitive to sounds. He does. I just sleep through it now. Vomiting sounds. Mm -hmm. And our kids weren't vomiting. No. Our big ass dog is (laughs) from the living room. She's the size of a donkey. And I shoot out of bed and I run in there. Poor thing. She left three piles right by the back door because she wanted to go out and Mm -hmm. throw up outside like a good girl. Right. No, she didn't make it. No. So poor Daniel's cleaning up puke at like six o'clock, six o'clock this morning. To her credit, though, she did throw up outside also. Oh, so good girl. There's yeah. one that did make it outside. Right. So there's a little peek into our fabulous lives here in Central California. Okay, I'm going to plug one product and then I'm done. A product? Product. Okay. And it'll save you from a dog vomiting early in the morning. It's called Luxury Vinyl Plank Flooring. Yes. Yes. We were really smart in redoing If our she had done those. what she did this morning on what used to be there, which was carpet. Mm, oh, gross. I don't I don't know what I would have done because it's all just. We would have burnt the house down and moved. It's stomach bile from a big dog. Oh, stop. Okay. Oh, yeah. God. Anyway, no, yeah. No. Luxury Vinyl Plank Flooring. It's worth its weight in gold. It really is. And you can even put a little tiny bit of bleach in your water when you clean the floors. And it just deodorizes and sanitizes. And eats the finish off of it. No, it does not. It even says that you can put a little tiny bit of bleach. Where does it say that? I don't know. I Googled it. Oh, okay. All right, Daniel, you got some factoids for me? Because we're doing factoids in this episode. People are going to be so excited. Are you all screaming right now? Are you so excited? Because I'm excited. She's such a liar. I really am excited. I like factoids. Today, I am delivering, once again, very marginal factual information. (laughs) Didn't somebody tell us that most of your facts are not factual? Probably because they're not. No, I mean, but you, it's not like you make them up. You look them up on the Google box. Yeah, this is all factually accurate from the internet. So. Yes. So don't get mad at us, Karen. I am an idiot. So just take that for what it's worth. <laughs> don't give people free reign to call us idiots anymore. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am an idiot. There's there's so much smarter people than me out there. Well, oh my yeah, gosh. I know. And you're living in your parents' basement patting yourself on the back about how smart you are. So Right, being a keyboard that, terrorist. All right, so I'm going to talk about toxoplasma, which is a... What? 
That sounds like the green stuff from Ghostbusters. It is. It is a parasitic infection that is mostly targeting cats. <laughs> we don't have a cat. But we don't have a cat. So um, this was from a mixture of different sources, Stanford News, a bunch of them. The fascinating part about this is most people and animals have this infection, but it is relatively harmless to us because we our immune system fights it off. Same with cats. Okay. So the interesting part about this is what this parasite does to rats. There, there's a lot of parasites that alter the mind of its host, and this is one of them. And what it does is it gets into cats' intestines, which is where it has to live in order to reproduce. Okay. So the fascinating part about this parasite is it uses the power of sexual attraction to trick rats into becoming cat food. <laughs> So this parasite <gasps> needs to get into the intestine of a cat to reproduce, right? That's the okay. that's the main needs to make its way into the intestines. Yep, and that's where it, it has to reproduce. So when rats come across cuz they're going across the ground and they come across like cat urine, cat feces and somehow ingest part of it cuz they eat everything and and right. basically lick everything that they come across. Well, they're always like licking their hands, too. Yeah. So they get it into their system and it affects a part of the brain and the rat. And it's called the amygdala. Mm -hmm. And that is the circuitry of the brain that controls fear and attraction. And it changes the rat's natural fear of cats and it makes them attracted to them. It's like a love potion. Kind of. Yeah. <gasps> and so instead of them running and hiding, especially like cat urine, they're actually drawn towards it. Oh. So then they become easy prey by a cat, and the cat eats the rat, ingests the toxoplasma contaminated rat, it gets into the cat's intestine, and then it goes into, then it multiplies. Then it starts all over again. And it starts all over again. That's why people have those barn cats. Sure. Or people have cats that they want to eat the rats. Yep. So they said in lab experiments, they compared toxoplasma infected male rats with non-infected the infected rats were drawn to cat urine similar to female rats that are in heat. Mm. The normal rats avoided the cat urine. Isn't that fascinating? Nature is really fascinating to me. It's the whole circle of life. It's the whole food pyramid. Pretty much. That's they, wild. They estimate 60 million people in the U.S. are infected with toxoplasma. What? Yep. Is that why so many people like cats? Um, typically, you'll find it more in people that have cats. Crazy um, cat ladies. It's ingested by usually from little particles of cat feces. So if you have a lot of cats in the house, it's almost impossible to avoid it. You're going to be ingesting some portion of cat poop. Oh, wow. Or cat urine. I'm a little uncomfortable. Sure. For most people, it appears to present no danger although it can be fatal in compromised immune systems. It can cross the placental barrier in pregnant women and lead to complications, which is why pregnant women are advised not to clean cat litter boxes. Have you heard that? Well, yeah, because you had to clean the cat litter box each time. Yeah, but no one told us why. Up. I know. They just said, um, he has to clean the cat litter box. You can't do it. Yep. Like humans, cats rarely have symptoms when they're infected, so most people do not know if their cat has been infected. 
some cats, if they have a poor immune system, will be lethargic. They won't eat, things like that. Usually they'll get over it. Mm-hmm. But most cats you wouldn't know. So that's why people are obsessed with their cats. Is because they have this toxic stuff in their system that makes them in love with their cats. Maybe. Is the same thing in dogs because people are really weird about their dogs. I think that's just because we're weird people. Mm. As a society, yes, we are weird. Yeah. Okay. So undercooked meat and or eating little bits of cat poop is how you ingest toxoplasma parasite. I hope no one's eating cat poop. Yeah, but if you got 10,000 cats in your house, I'm not saying you're a crazy cat person. Even if you're super, super clean and use bleach. There's cat you crap. You probably have cat There's stuff. cat yeah. crap everywhere. Mm-hmm. I had a cat with really long hair. She was really cute, and Daniel would have to shave her butt. Well, it's like NASA. It was really funny. <laughs> they um, are always on the lookout for Klingons around Uranus. So <laughs> I knew you were going to say Uranus well, right when you started saying NASA. We have to insert Uranus into the conversation at mm-hmm. some point. Yes, our daughter's in fifth grade, and they're learning about the solar system. And they're just giggling. And the they just time. giggle the entire you said time. Uranus. It's Uranus. And so her sweet teacher's like, it's Uranus. It's Uranus. Or no, like, it nope, it's Uranus. Yeah. <laughs> So this will make you comfortable. There are a couple of dozen studies that have been done in the last few years showing that if you have schizophrenia, you are more likely to have toxoplasma than not. The studies haven't shown cause and effect, but it is possible. Again, there is my very marginal factual information from the internet about toxoplasma. (laughs) Oh, wow. I learned something new. Yeah. I appreciate the knowledge that you share with us and our 11 listeners. There is so much more information about this, but I don't want to bore you guys. So that's the basic factoid on that. All right. So it did not have to deal with ghosts. It had to deal with your cats. Yep. Your felines. And your rats. If you have pet rats, which I did when I was a kid, mm-hmm. they're actually awesome pets. And they're actually really clean. Yeah. I remember one kid. I don't want to get one. No. I remember um, friends that had a huge pet rat. It was giant. Mm -hmm. Like a sewer rat? Kind of. And it was trained to poop in a little dish in the corner of a room. So it would not poop on the floor. That's the only way I would have a pet rat. Yeah. They're very trainable. They're very loving and sweet. And they just sit there and they want to curl up and be with you. So maybe instead of getting another cat, listener, get a rat. Yeah, because then you're guaranteed to have the toxoplasma. Ugh, there's no winning. We, I think it's we and the rats are considered intermediate devices, I guess, for this parasite. All right. there you go. Well, thank you for your factoid, sir. Oh, gosh. You're welcome. I am now a little tiny bit smarter. Yeah. So maybe I'm idiot instead of an idiot. Wash your hands after you rub your cat's butt. (laughs) That's all I can say. Or your butt. Picture this scene. You wake up one morning to discover hundreds of flies in your apartment. You frantically scramble to find the root of the issue, but it's not until the exterminator arrives that you discover one of your roommates has a horrific secret. Or picture this. You leave your workout class only to find a very threatening note on your windshield that's signed, Karma. Are these people guilty of a petty crime? 
Decide for yourself by tuning into our podcast, Petty Crimes. I'm Kira. And I'm Griff. And we're here to talk about the only true crime comedy podcast that exclusively investigates non-crimes. Every week, we passionately investigate minor interpersonal disputes sent in by our listeners, and we arrive at a verdict each and every case. Subscribe to Petty Crimes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to hear how these stories end. Or follow us on Instagram by searching at Petty Crimes Pod. Till then, stay petty. Daniel. Melissa. You ready for my case? No. (laughs) Well, get ready. I'm ready. I'm your captive audience. This is a little bit different. Oh, good. I did get emotional writing out this case. There might be a little emotion involved in this, so just be prepared, okay? Do you want me to read that part? Maybe. If I get choked up, then you have to read it. (laughs) If I start reading for this show, people will turn us off. No, actually, they'll probably listen more. (laughs) I seriously doubt that. All right, so this is the case of Alvin and Virginia Ridley. Okay. At 6.45 a.m. on October 4th, 1997, A call came into the Catoosa County 911 call center. On the line was 56-year-old Alvin Ridley. He had driven from the outskirts of Ringgold, Georgia, past a fire station, and to the closest payphone in town. Alvin had initially called a hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee, 30 miles away, but they told him to hang up and call 911. 911, where's your emergency? 134 Inman Street, answered Alvin. What's the problem? asked the 911 operator. I think my wife's passed out, said Alvin. Is she breathing? asked 911. I don't think so, answered Alvin. It's behind the steel plant there. He was directing the 911 operator to the location of his home. Right, okay. Okay. I'm calling from a phone booth, said Alvin. That's what they had back then. That was kind of the height of it, too. 1997? Yeah, when there was really no other way to report things. Yeah, unless you had a landline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have a phone at your house? Asked the dispatcher. There's no phone, repeated Alvin. Now, does she have any medical problems or anything? Oh, she's an epileptic, said Alvin. Okay, but you don't think she's breathing? I don't think so, answered Alvin. Please hurry. Yes, that's probably a good idea if she's not breathing. (laughs) Within five minutes, Alvin and the local EMT unit pulled up to the rural and dilapidated home of Alvin Ridley. Oh, boy. Located directly between the steel mill and the railroad tracks, covered in overgrown trees and brush, with a closed handmade wooden gate with no trespassing and beware of dog metal signs, posted all around the property. Okay, so I'm envisioning this. Mm-hmm. And it's like the perfect setting in a movie. Yes. Because right away you think steel mill and railroad tracks. Okay, you're on that side of the tracks. You're mm-hmm. on the bad side of town, the poor part. Yes. It's overgrown. All overgrown, lots of... A lot um, of green ivy that's taken over everything. Right, lots of... Old cars rusting away, old appliances. The roof is kind of sagging a bit. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The white paint is peeling off. That's the the picture of this home. Good times. 
The EMTs had heard of Crazy Alvin and were on edge walking into the home with the white paint peeling and rusted windows. So the EMTs already knew? They already knew who he was. Oh, God. And that he can't was, be good. And he was known around town as Crazy Alvin. Oh, jeez. The home smelled musty and old. Now, I'm envisioning the smell of Pirates of the Caribbean. Moist. Yes, kind of my grandma's house. <laughs> That's what I'm smelling. Old people and moist. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Kind of the smell of nostalgia, I would say. <laughs> yeah, and a roof leak. <laughs> At this time, the home was without running water oh, and had God. not had a phone in 14 months. And everyone had a phone back then. In the corner of the living room was an old bed. Lying on top of the comforter was the body of a small and frail woman. Oh, jeez. The tiny woman was not breathing and did not have a pulse. The EMTs pronounced her DOA, dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. When asked to confirm who the dead woman was, Alvin told them she was his wife of 31 years, 49-year-old Virginia Ridley, the wife that most people in Ringgold had no idea existed. And those that did know of Virginia had not seen or heard from her in over 21 years, assuming she had left or possibly died decades before. So she was 18 when they got married? Yes. Oh, boy. Some townspeople had even assumed Alvin had murdered Virginia already and buried her in their backyard. They assumed that? Yes. Why would they just assume, well, you know what? He probably killed her and buried her in the yard. Right. And they all just went with that. Because people can be rude and cruel. But don't you think And if you're a little bit different, people judge you by that. Oh, God. Okay. I know. There's so many questions to this, and I will answer you. I promise. Okay. Okay. wait. The county coroner was called to the Ridley residence. She was even frightened to be going into the home. She had no idea that Alvin had a wife. She'd never heard of Virginia or seen her around town. And she also knew Alvin as Crazy Alvin. Are we going to find out why he was called Crazy Alvin? Yes, we will. Oh, good. All right. I want to ask. Immediately, the locally elected coroner was suspicious of Alvin's behavior. He would need consoling one minute and the next minute be up from his chair yelling. After Alvin had calmed down, he was able to be questioned about Virginia's death. Alvin had woken up early that morning and glanced over at Virginia lying next to him. She was lying face down on the pillow. That was a habit of hers. Oh, yeah, I do that a lot. Alvin turned her up and noticed she was cold. He shook Virginia and hollered at her, trying to get her to wake up. Alvin then tried CPR. When he was unable to resuscitate Virginia, Alvin ran out to his truck and drove right past the local fire department to the closest payphone. Sure. Alvin also told the coroner and investigators that his wife had suffered from epilepsy and had had a severe seizure the night before. He was able to help her out of it. Virginia then told Alvin she was fine and that he should just go to sleep. She would see him in the morning. But Virginia never woke up. Uh Later that day, Virginia's body was removed and taken to the county coroner's office where she would be given her initial exam. So in Georgia, the county coroner is actually elected. Oh, okay. Right. 
So most of the time you do have some sort of medical experience, whether you've been a paramedic or a nurse or something like that. That's the reason that you're voted in. But you actually don't need training to be elected. So you just got to sell yourself to the voting public. Exactly. So be like, all right, look, I know I don't have any medical experience, but I'm way better looking than the other guy. <laughs> yes. So you should vote for me. And then they'll send you to training. Oh, okay. Well, at least they get training. Right. So just keep that in mind a little bit. Okay. Should I take notes? No, you're oh, fine. Good, because I won't remember anything. In this exam, the coroner found petechial hemorrhaging in and around Virginia's eyes. Petechial hemorrhages are ruptures of the microscopic capillaries that provide blood to the body's cells. Often, petechial hemorrhages around the eyes are seen in deaths caused by strangulation and or smothering. Oh, jeez. Virginia also appeared to be very underweight, almost malnourished. Ugh. But she was tiny. She well, was yeah. very tiny. She didn't eat. Well, she was tiny to begin with, but they said she was skin and bones. Ah. Yes. I've never been skin and bones. Mm, me neither. I feel bad. I mean, they're obviously just horrific Areas all over the world as we speak where people are skin and bones. Oh, I know. So even in our own we've country. We've never had even in our own country, yeah. They've mm -hmm. never experienced true starvation. No. So it's hard to hear about, you know, what you would consider a normal area. Even, you know, Georgia, even though it's oh, it's this dilapidated house, you think, well, how could someone be starving to death? Right. <sighs> the next day, Virginia's body was given a full autopsy by the state medical examiner. Not only did he notice the petechial hemorrhages around Virginia's eyes, but he also noticed bruising on Virginia's neck. Deep bruising. Virginia Ridley appeared to have been strangled. News around the small town of Ringgold, Georgia spreads fast. Soon the locals were discussing the death of Alvin's wife. Most townspeople never knowing that crazy Alvin had ever been married, let alone that Virginia, his wife, had been alive and living in the home with him for decades. Okay, what does this poor woman see in crazy Alvin? I'm going to tell you. Okay. I'm going to tell hey, and, you. And here's the, I'm going to give the excuse for Alvin. Okay. If she was epileptic and she had a really rough night, like had a seizure... You're not supposed to hold people down, but it's really hard not to mm -hmm. because they're thrashing all over. So you obviously just want it to stop. Right. Some thrash around. Okay. But if I were him, I would say she was thrashing around and she was going to hurt herself. So I was trying to hold her down and that's how the bruises got on her neck. Oh, okay. I see where you're going. That's how that, that's mm -hmm. how I'm. See, I'm already trying to think of his excuse. Alvin Ridley and Virginia Hickey met in 1964. Alvin was 22 and Virginia was 16. Sure. Alvin had been in town on leave from the Army and staying with his parents in his childhood home at 134 Inman Street. Oh. Alvin was the only child of Bill and Minnie Ridley. Alvin and Virginia were immediately smitten. They loved to be around one another and just talk. Both were a little socially awkward and outcasts. Okay. So people that had gone to school with Alvin talk about how he was a little bit different. His social skills were lacking. He really had a hard time making friends. There's even a story where he liked to drive around town 
and he had a blow-up doll as his side passenger telling people that, no, that wasn't a blow-up doll. That was his girlfriend. Oh, boy. So he was just a little different and a little quirky. No, because, yeah, it's it's only slightly odd to drive around with a blow-up doll. <laughs> I mean, I and could I was see thinking doing there's it. blow-up dolls back then? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, they probably weren't as detailed. Probably not. But so, then I was thinking, oh, okay, we just watched Porky's the other day and there's a blow-up doll exactly. in Porky's. So yes, I get it. Yeah. I was thinking about mm-hmm. that. So, okay, he's 22, she's 16, but he's probably socially... 16. Right. So they got along because they're probably compatible. Yes. At the age of nine, Virginia was diagnosed with epilepsy and experienced grand mal seizures regularly. There you go. With the help of medication, her seizures were less frequent. When you do experience seizures on a regular basis, you are a little stunted in your growth. Sure. With social skills and things of that nature, you're a little bit behind. Mm -hmm. And that just happens. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. It really is. But you can go on to live a fairly, quote unquote, normal and fulfilled life as long as you take your medication. Virginia's family really liked Alvin and thought he was very sweet to Virginia and would take really good care of her. In 1966, Alvin and Virginia were married and moved into a small apartment in Ringgold. Immediately, tensions between Alvin and Virginia's family began to arise. The Hickeys believed that Alvin was being too possessive over Virginia and that he purposely kept them away, not allowing Virginia to talk on the phone, attend family functions, or even respond to letters. Alvin accused Virginia's family of meddling and of telling unfair lies about him around town. After a couple years, the Hickeys were able to convince a judge to essentially order Alvin to produce Virginia in a court of law. Virginia walked into that courtroom, looked right at the judge, and said, I am where I want to be with my husband. And that was that. Virginia was an adult. Wowzers. So she just disappeared. And was with him, just kind of hiding out, I guess? Yes, to a point. Up to a point. Okay. Okay, sorry. (laughs) No, please keep asking. I'm telling you, I get so many messages from people saying, Daniel has the exact same questions that I do, and thank you for answering the questions. Sorry that you have dumb questions also. No, they're (laughs) – stop. you. They are not dumb questions. They are – Purposeful questions. Okay. And what did, uh, did I miss it? Or what did Crazy Alvin do? Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. a living. Okay. I'm going to tell you. Oh, good. The couple moved into Alvin's parents' home shortly after and cut off all communication with her family. Alvin had been trained in electronics while in the service, and he and Virginia opened Ridley's TV Sales and Service a brick-and-mortar store right in the heart of downtown Ringgold. Oh, okay. So he fixed TVs, sold TVs and fixed TVs. So now he's very social because everyone sees him every day. Yes. Sort of. He was social, but he was still a little awkward and I think a little aggressive in his speech. But it's not like he's out hiding in the woods. No, he's not. He's with the public every single day. That's what I meant. And he would make house calls. So people's televisions would, you know, stop working. He would make house calls and fix their TV. And he was really, really smart. 
There obviously weren't that many TV repairmen then. Not in Ringgold. I mean, if they were willing to call Crazy Alvin to have him come to their house. Because normally... (laughs) I don't think he was exactly Crazy Alvin at this time, but he was about to be. All right. Okay. Customers would sometimes see Virginia in the shop or sweeping the front stoop. But within a few years, Virginia began isolating herself from the outside world, rarely attending church or even joining Alvin at the business. Eventually... No one had seen Virginia in decades. Oh, God. Virginia even chose not to attend her father's funeral. What? Yeah. She was done with them. Virginia was very happy taking care of the home and cooking. During the 1980s, Alvin began acquiring a bit of a reputation. He slept around a lot. No, Alvin liked to sue people. Oh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was way off. He was known to file lawsuits against anyone who he had felt wronged him in any way. He, in turn, made a lot of enemies. He Uh, made a lot of enemies. He sued people? He did. Alvin was at odds with the city government, the police, and the sheriff's department, usually over licensing issues. How many licenses does he really need? (laughs) That he has deep, <laughs> I don't you know, know. issues with. He did not like anybody telling him what he could do, probably on his property, with his business. Okay. He was like, I'm free. I'm an American. I served our country. I can do whatever I want. Sure. He even had a grievance with the Ringgold chief of police. Wow. He knows how to burn bridges, He huh? does. In 1984, Alvin was involved in a minor traffic accident. He filed a series of legal actions. Eventually, Alvin was countersued and lost. As payment, his work van was seized. Oh, that went over well. Alvin was humiliated and believed that all his friends and customers had turned against him. He couldn't even get a rep from the TV repair company where he bought all of his parts. He couldn't even get a rep from them to come out anymore and sell him the things that he needed to do his business. So basically, he drove himself out of business. Yeah, he was blackballed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but, yeah, but he's the one who started the black balls. That's true. I mean. But there could have been good reasons. I don't know all of the reasons why he was suing people. I just know that he was burning bridges. And so in response, he was blackballed. Okay, but if it's one person against everyone. Right. You know, it might be you. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I understand that. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. So his van was seized. So he couldn't go on house calls anymore. Well, who would want him? I'd be worried if we sued. That's true. No, you're making valid points. I wouldn't. Oh, my God. If I found out some guy is kind of goofy and sue happy, I wouldn't want to do business with him. No, you're right. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like consumers. I mean, other businesses. I wouldn't even want the possibility of it i get it yeah six weeks later alvin's van was returned to him but he refused to accept it that work van just rotted away on the ridley property um okay what does he mean he refused to accept he refused to accept it they brought it back to his property and parked it and he refused to accept it so he's saying no i'm not even gonna drive it i'm gonna prove a point right he was that stubborn i'm gonna spite you yes by Mm -hmm. not driving my own van yeah and so that work van just sat there and rotted Mm -hmm. 
Alvin believed that he did not get a fair trial and that he was deliberately forced out of his business. Sure. All right. To make ends meet, Alvin would sell tube socks at the local flea market. Stop. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Tube socks. He sold tube socks. At the flea market. Mm-hmm. Alvin's father passed away in 1982 and his mother in 1994. For the last three years, Alvin and Virginia lived a solitary life. Alvin venturing into town out of necessity. Okay, so if it was just you and me, okay, I haven't heard anything about kids, so I'm assuming they don't have any kids. They didn't right? have any children. Okay, that makes it Mm-mm. easier. Yes. So, at what point would you give up on me? Let's just put, as real my quick, husband. Yeah, we're this is a couple show, right? Right. So, just be honest. At what point in this, I'm crazy, Alvin. At what point do you go? Yeah, you know what? I've, I'm 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 over it. I'm done. Okay, me as in yes, me right 100%, now. You right now. Oh, n- just a few weeks. <laughs> I would say let's get back into that marriage counselor. We got to figure out what's going but on with you. They won't see us because he's worried I'm going to sue him. <laughs> Probably them, her, him. All right, so a few weeks. All right, that's good. That's that's all people wanted to hear was uh, <laughs> you would abandon me in my no, misery. No, I would work hard for the next few weeks. Would you? And then make a decision. Would you stay by my side, holding out tube socks? Oh, Daniel, these are really hard questions. <laughs> just say just say no, because I would not join your side selling tube socks. There you go. At the flea market. There you go. Not a snowball's no. chance in hell I would do that. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Maybe we don't love each other as much as we think we do. <laughs> no, we do, as long as all the conditions are perfect. But if the conditions oh, changed, um, no, I'm I'm out. Like Woo, I'm answering kid. some personal questions. My armpits all of a sudden started sweating. <laughs> Isn't that um isn't that menopause? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Man man pause. All right, continue. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. here we go. All right. Virginia's family were notified of her death and asked to identify her body. Oh jeez. But a, but according to the Hickeys, they'd assumed Alvin had killed Virginia years ago and buried her in the backyard. Okay. okay. Oh yes. All no, right. I knew Hold you were gonna on. say this. Yes. <sighs> if you thought that a member of your family had been murdered by their husband and buried in the backyard. Wouldn't you be on that property every single day making it uncomfortable and getting the police involved? Just saying. Okay, you want to hear what I would do? Yes, what would you do? All right, I would try and sneak up on him, pillowcase mm-hmm. over his head so he can't see who's there, <laughs> wrestle him to the ground, few people help me out. Okay. Tie him up so he can't do anything. So a mob mentality. Absolutely. All right. We're starting out good. And then, you know, just threaten him (laughs) and see if she's still there. Oh, okay. To see if she's there. And if she's not there, then And if she is there Mm -hmm. and still alive, then you leave. And then hopefully he can get out of his pillowcase thing situation so that it's anonymous. Yeah. Hopefully she can hear him and come outside and help him out. Yeah. I get it. Something like that. Or just Mm -hmm. whack him over the head. He'll wake up eventually, (laughs) I think. Within days, the local paper started writing articles about Virginia being held captive for the last two decades. What? That she had been chained to a bed naked in the basement. That's possible. When her family identified her body, they said Virginia had hair a mile long and her fingernails were so long they had curled. Oh, God. Alvin wasn't just crazy Alvin anymore. He had become the town monster. It's probably true. Probably Did he have a basement in that dilapidated house with no running water? I didn't see I a wonder. basement. 
That's a good question. I didn't see a basement. I mean, you need a basement for that fantasy, right? Eventually, the U.S. tabloids begin printing articles about Virginia's death, making sure to make the case more sensational and horrifying. So all around town, eventually it spread to all across the U.S. that this man had had his wife chained naked to a bed for over 20 years. Okay, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring something up real quick. Okay, do it. Do you ever find yourself biting your nails? I bite my nails. That's why I wear acrylic nails. So it's not possible if your hands were free that you would have nails growing so long that they start to curl because you would eventually just out of nervous habit, bite your nails Mm -hmm. or peel them off. So I'm kind of with them. I think she was chained up because who would let their nails curl like that? You can't do anything. You ever tried to pick something up with crazy long nails? It doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, God. Yep. All right. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, though. You want to grow your nails out really long. That's a fetish. I saw her autopsy photos. Okay. Her hair is short. What? And her fingernails are short. So where'd the long hair and the curled nails come from? They made it up. Are you? Okay, never mind. Her family made it up. quietly then, except you'll hear my (laughs) joints crack. Why are you going to sit there quietly? You're not wrong. Because you're, you're building this up, I and am. now I'm getting into it, and I then am. you just pulled the rug out from under my fantasy I totally psycho did. idea of what happened. Yes, but yeah. that is what they were telling people, that they had seen her body, and this is what she looked like, oh. which was absolutely untrue. Wowzers. Yes. Okay. All right. By June of 1998, the medical examiner had completed Virginia's autopsy report. He wrote down that Virginia had been murdered by manual asphyxiation. Eight months after the death of Virginia, Alvin was arrested and charged with her murder. It took eight months? Well, it took eight months for them to do the entire autopsy report <laughs> for some reason, and then he was arrested eight months. Yeah. If, if you were crazy Alvin, wouldn't mm-hmm. you kind of see this coming? Like, God, you know, this doesn't really look good for me, does it? Is he being held this entire time? No, he hadn't been arrested yet. Right. So mm-hmm. he's just, what, sitting in the house he's with no running water? living his life. Just But he's not repairing TVs. No, he's selling tube socks. He's selling he's tube socks. He's still selling tube socks at the flea market. Mm-hmm. All right. Alvin hired a local defense attorney named McCracken Poston. Oh, my God. Of course. McCracken. I kind of dig that name. I actually went to high school with a girl. Whose last name was McCracken. Really? Yeah. Was she cute? She was, um, as your other podcast, you absolutely love. Oh, it's always the husband? They say she was a very handsome woman. <laughs> Actually, I was going to give them a shout out at the end. Oh, I'm I sorry. heard this case on but it's so, their podcast. It's so perfect. Cause it's yeah. Like, yeah. So Susie was a very handsome woman. <laughs> it's, it's like... Oh, my God. I know what they're talking about. So immediately you get the picture in your head. Yeah. Hey, Sarah and Megan. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. I'm sorry. So McCracken. McCracken Poston. I digress. I'm just going to call him Poston. Thank you. Okay. Poston was surprised, as everyone else, that Crazy Alvin was married and that he had had a wife living at home with him. But he knew that Alvin was innocent. He just needed to prove it. Oh, He just had this gut feeling from the first time he talked to Alvin that this was not 
a crime of passion. This was not a murder. This was just a natural death. So like my cousin Vinny, he didn't know how he was going to defend right. the boys. He just knew that they were innocent. Yes, exactly like my cousin Vinny. Almost mm-hmm. exactly the same, <laughs> except for not at all. Gaining Alvin's trust was going to be an uphill battle. Alvin believed that the entire world had turned against him. They had. Alvin was fiercely protective of his and Virginia's privacy, especially of the home they shared. I had read in an article that Poston had showed up at Alvin's home with Thanksgiving leftovers and was finally allowed entry into the house. Oh, God. You couldn't pay me enough to go in there. I've been in houses like that. No, if you know somebody is innocent, though, and you are going to try to prove them innocent and tell their story, you have to see the entire story. So you have to go in that house no matter what. I've been in every kind of house you You can imagine. (laughs) You have. And I mean, literally every kind of house. And I mean, the people live in, not Mm -hmm. abandoned houses. And it's unbelievable the way people live. I know. Sad sometimes. I've been in houses with basically dirt floors. People are living in them. Mm. Yeah. It's fun. So a house with no running water, you know, and he's basically completely just nothing left of of him as Mm -hmm. a person. So that's got to be tough. Poston walked into the main room and noticed notes and letters pinned all over the walls and notebooks lying everywhere. Scraps of paper, cut up cardboard, all with writing on them. Upon inspection, Poston noticed that the writing was a beautiful, swirly, cursive writing, and it looked to have been written by a female. He asked Alvin who wrote all these notes, and Alvin said Virginia. Virginia had written hundreds upon hundreds of notes and letters and pinned or glued them onto the walls. And it said, please get me the hell out of here. (laughs) Words detailing the last decades of Virginia's life in isolation and not in captivity. These were love letters to Alvin. Documentation of their daily lives. What they watched on television. Recipes that Virginia had made. Entire books of scripture. Her innermost thoughts how she felt about the world, and how the town had turned against she and Alvin. Always carefully dated. Wow. Everything she wrote had a date on it. Okay, here's one thing I want to know. Okay. What does Alvin look like if you had to describe him? You want me to show you? Kind of. Okay. I think that would help. It would help me a lot being visual. Yes, you are very visual. And our ten and a half listeners... Because there's 10 plus a child that they didn't know about that's sitting here listening. Okay. Here's Alvin. Oh, okay. That's not what I expected. Now, obviously, Mm -hmm. he's older in this picture. Yes. I'll show you Alvin Alvin and Virginia. There they are. Okay. He's a decent looking guy. Yes, absolutely. She kind of has a little goofiness to her, but... It's just because she's little. She's very little. He looks like the stereotypical slender... Army guy of back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clean cut, yeah. short cut hair, fairly symmetrical face, a tall, a tall face. He's Here's kind their of a... wedding picture. I'm going to post all of these on Instagram. So go look at them as we're talking. Oh, about my gosh. Them. She is tiny. She's teeny. Holy crap. She is half as wide as he is. Yeah. And I probably outweigh him by 900 pounds. Yeah. 
I'm basically bedridden. That's how overweight I am. <laughs> Please stop. Wow. Okay. Well, that helps. Mm-hmm. So he's a tall, dark-haired, yeah. clean-shaven. He's tall, dark, and handsome. Decent-looking dude. Yeah. She's kind of mousy a mm-hmm. little bit. Tiny. She's tiny. Tiny. Like well, 13 inches wide, kind of tiny. <laughs> I mean, itty-bitty. And that's on the shoulders. Okay. Well, let me finish. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Virginia had hypergraphia which is a behavioral condition characterized by the intense desire to write or draw. This compulsion is often found in temporal lobe epilepsy. What? Since Virginia wrote down her days in notebooks and on loose paper, nowhere in any of the hundreds of thousands of writings was there any mention of abuse or unhappiness. She loved her life with Alvin. I'm going to read to you a little snippet of a letter that Virginia wrote. Okay. To Alvin, her little love letter. Okay. I do love you as the birds love the flowers, as the birds love the sunshine, as mothers love their firstborn, as memory loves old faces, as the yearning tides love the moon, as the angels love the pure of heart. I so love you if you were taken from me. I've never written you anything like that. I forget well, your birthday. So- it didn't sound like that when you wrote it. <laughs> Wow. I know. So they're kind of like misunderstood right out of the gate. A hundred percent. And we as an awful, awful society just fill in the gaps that we don't know. We jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Also found was a letter written by Virginia in the 80s stating that she was stopping all medication and relying on God to heal her. Yeah. Sometimes that doesn't work. Her constant <laughs> her constant seizures were the reason she became a recluse and agoraphobic. She was embarrassed. Aww. Virginia did not want to have a seizure in public. The writings were analyzed by a forensic document examiner named Brian Carney. Carney collected a few known signatures of Virginia's written decades before and was able to match them with the handwriting found on the notes and letters from the Ridley home. They were unmistakably written by Virginia. Poston knew that Virginia's own words were the key to proving Alvin's innocence. Uh-huh. Poston did try to get Alvin's trial a change of venue since most townspeople in Catoosa County knew of old crazy Alvin, and they were told that his secret wife was held captive in his basement. Yep. So people were going into this with already preconceived notions. There's no way he could get a fair trial. No. But unfortunately, the motion was denied. Yep. But this is a small town in Georgia, so I'm not surprised. Alvin was also assessed by a court-appointed psychologist. He was found competent to stand trial. Okay. In January of 1999, the trial against Alvin Ridley began. Alvin walked into the courtroom every day wearing a neck brace and mismatched clothes. He also carried all of Virginia's writings and notes in two old suitcases. He never let those writings out of his possession. Oh, boy. So he had told his attorney when he walked in the first day of the trial with the neck brace on, he told Poston that he had fallen off of his roof. And he's an older gentleman. He's almost 60 years old. Yeah, so, I could see that. But and then I, Poston said, I think he wore it as kind of a security blanket. Yeah, so, a little bit. Yeah. So he probably 
had a lot of issues with his roof. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I bet. It was probably sunken in the middle. Poor guy. Had absolutely. the blue tarps over the top a lot of, of it. Tarps. Aww. The state believed that Alvin had strangled Virginia as a means to an end. They believe that while she was having a seizure or crying, Alvin came to his breaking point and murdered his wife of 32 years. What was the motive? She had become a drain on his resources. Oh, uh, yeah. what resources? Okay. Uh, <laughs> they no. didn't have anything. All right. Well, either, I mean, maybe this is as far as we've gotten into the story, so I don't know. But these people are all stupid <laughs> because a guy like that. <laughs> The last thing he would give up is his only companion in life. Absolutely. You're a guy, it. A guy, especially like him, mm-hmm. or at least the way we've portrayed him, is really lonely. Yes. So he would do anything. He would have nothing else, but he would want to have her. Yes. So there's- absolutely. In my opinion, based on what I know so far, there's zero chance he would want to lose that only companion in life. Because if he, okay, if he killed her, then why didn't he kill himself? Right. That I would understand. If they're like, they're both crazy. She had Not crazy, just misunderstood. I'm sorry. They were both portrayed as being crazy. Right. Something's wrong. Mm -hmm. So he strangles her because she's having this freak out moment. Can't handle it anymore. Now he's alone, then he kills himself. That I could understand. So anyway, whatever. The state also said that for the last 20 years, Virginia had been living a life of neglect with Alvin. That's probably true. She had no routine medical care, had not seen a doctor. She never had any prescriptions with a pharmacy, had not visited a hospital, and Alvin had not filed taxes on Virginia, nor did he have any insurance out on her. She was basically a ghost. Uh-huh. Yep. At least money wasn't a motive. No. Life insurance no. always seems to be a motive these days, doesn't it? According to the coroner and the medical examiner, Virginia had been manually strangled by Alvin. He had snapped. Alvin waited till he knew Virginia was dead before driving to a payphone, purposely driving right by the fire station near their home to get help. And Alvin even calling a hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee, before dialing 911. He was deliberately stalling. I can't picture him, though, in his state being capable of walking into a fire station and actually having to come face to face with people, with mm-hmm. men, and right. tell them something. I, I think he's too too withdrawn at that point. Yeah. Post and believe that Virginia had died as a result of a seizure and not strangulation. The defense was able to point out that the coroner and state medical examiner had their own personal feelings when it came to Alvin Ridley and assessing Virginia's body. The coroner admitted on the stand to being fearful of Alvin since having a run-in with him years before she was elected Catoosa County coroner. Hmm. And that Virginia's death was the very first suspicious death in Catoosa County after she had been elected coroner, and that her inexperience and own personal judgment against Alvin affected her judgment. Interesting. Poston also learned that the coroner had told the medical examiner that he was about to do an autopsy on a woman who had been held captive in her home for decades. Ooh. Yeah, this was a suggestion based on zero facts. 
So instead of just handing the body over to him, she gave him this whole elaborate story of what had happened to Virginia. So consciously or subconsciously, Mm -hmm. you start looking for proof of the story you already assume is true. Yeah, you're trying to prove your own narrative. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, here's the signs of the strangulation right here, okay. As opposed to getting no information Mm -hmm. before. Yes. A forensic pathologist hired by the defense was called as a witness. He stated that an employee at the coroner's office had drawn blood from Virginia's neck for a toxicology screening during the initial examination of her body. This is not a standard procedure and is highly irregular. The needle marks had developed into bruises known as artifact, which is a term used for any changes in a body caused by a post-mortem evaluation. The coroner was at fault and did not follow appropriate procedure. This medical examiner, this forensic pathologist, was pissed. He was so mad. I watched an interview with him, and he was, like, seething, you could tell. So, oh, my gosh. Yes. So an employee of the coroner went in and took blood from Virginia's neck during their first initial screening of the body. Right. Then the next day, passed her body onto the state medical examiner. With new, with new, new bruises, bruises because yeah, of that. Yeah, she had no bruising on her neck. Oh my gosh. During her initial, and then the coroner was given made up information. No, the medical. I'm sorry, not the coroner. The yeah, coroner the gave examiner. made up right, information. The medical examiner then received false information that was someone's opinion. Right. And then sees bruises on sees the neck. Bruises and like, oh, this is classic. Yeah, right. This is this is easy. Exactly. Isn't that crazy? A bit. A neurologist was brought up on the stand. He said that petechial hemorrhages are consistent with sudden death epilepsy. This happens in patients who stop taking their medication. Just the year before, on September 21st, 1998, Olympian Florence Joyner Griffith, Flojo, do you remember her? No. Oh, darn. She was a um, track and field Olympian. This is from 1998. I know. We were just out of high school. I don't remember what I did yesterday. Okay. Well, she was found in her home. She had died in her sleep from suffocation during a severe epileptic seizure. Uh, Her autopsy photos were compared to Virginia's, and they were a match. But she had died in California. Flojo had died in California with a medical coroner. (laughs) Not in the backwoods of Georgia. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Georgia... I'm sure you guys I know, have. I, I know, I'm just, this is, you know, I'm, I'm kind 25 of being, years later. It's not so. funny, but I'm kind of being funny because, you know, Georgia obviously ha- the Deep South is yes. always made fun of. Yes, they are, unfortunately. But there's, you know, people screw up everywhere. It's oh, not just, gosh. oh, the, the Deep South, they're so stupid. No, right. it's just People this, mess up everywhere. Yeah, and unfortunately, they learn from mistakes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as sad as things are, you know, that, that's life, I guess. Right. It's not perfect. But Flojo's autopsy photos matched those of Virginia's. Okay. On the last day of the trial, after Alvin had returned from eating lunch with a group of friends from church, Alvin told Poston that he wanted to testify on his own behalf. Oh, boy. He said that God had spoken to him and told him he needed to tell his story. The jury was shocked to hear Poston call Alvin to the stand. Alvin was up on that stand for three hours. Three hours? Yeah. 
Oh, gosh. He said that Virginia had had a bad seizure the night before, and after he had helped her through it, which he had done many, many, many thousands of times over the years, I'm sure. Yeah. She told Alvin that she was all right and that she loved him and that he needed to get some sleep. He talked about his sweet, happy Christian marriage and how much he truly loved his wife and that he was innocent. He never would have killed her. Virginia was his everything. Yep, that's what I'm saying. There's not he has nothing else. Right. He talked about Virginia's seizures and that she was embarrassed to go out in public in fear of having a seizure in front of strangers. Which is completely understandable. Oh, gosh. I would never leave my house. No. There's no way. Because think of that. Like, knowing that you're completely out of control. Yes. And hoping that people around you are going to help you when they don't even know what to do in that situation. The only one who knew what to do was Alvin. Yeah. I mean, even if I had chronic diarrhea, (laughs) right? Oh, God. At least I could go out and be like, oh. Oh, I got to go. I got to go. Right. Like you get, you know, but a seizure, right. you, you there's nothing. No, you You're, don't really know. No, it could just mm-hmm. hit you. Yes. How horrible would that be? I know. Alvin admitted to driving past the local fire station because he had had a negative run in with some of the men who worked there. I could see that. Yeah. He also said that he had called the Chattanooga hospital because that's where he had taken his mother when she was ill and he was comfortable there. Yeah, I can see that too. When Alvin finished testifying, the case was handed over to the jury. After two hours, the jury found Alvin not guilty oh of the murder gosh. of his beloved wife, Virginia. If you told me that they found him guilty anyway, I would have just left. I know. We would be like, on the next flight. Uh, <laughs> Georgia. I'll see you guys later. Daniel would have found his cause. He would have wanted to get Alvin out of prison for sure. You know, you know, okay, here, real quick, side note. Okay. You hear about criminal defense attorneys. Mm -hmm. We had actually some really good friends living across the street. He was criminal defense attorney. Mm -hmm. Um, And you think, how the hell can they sit up and defend bad guys? Right. And you know what they say? And what he would say is, okay, but. Every now and then, there is someone who truly is going to get the short end of the stick. He really is innocent. Mm -hmm. And take like Alvin here. The deck is stacked against him right right out of the gate. And someone has to really take his side and try. Yeah. And it's not even taking his side. They have to go over everything just to be sure. Right. And if they truly are guilty... Then it's going to come out and they lost their case, but at least they tried. So I get it. It is easy to come out, you know, like, why are all these people getting defended? Because that's what you have to do, unfortunately. And it's the job of the state to prove that you're guilty. 100%. Yeah. And that's why they do not take cases or do not proceed with cases unless they are really, really sure Mm -hmm. they are going to succeed. So they're both trying. Right? Yes. Yes. The state's trying to prove you're guilty and the defense attorney is trying to prove that you're not guilty. And hopefully the result is the truth. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Because they're both trying really hard. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully the truth comes out in the end. Yeah. All right. I'm done. I'll stop. Virginia's letters and notes were her testimony. And Alvin believes that Virginia was in that courtroom with him right by his side. He felt her and still feels her presence to this day. Oh, 
Many people today feel like Alvin was tried for being different and a little quirky, but there are still those out there that believe that he had something to do with Virginia's death. Sure. Even the coroner thinks, well, if anything, he's guilty of neglect. No, but I, and it's I, like, I okay, could go with that. I mean, I understand, yeah. but she was living her life to the best of her abilities and same with him. Okay, you want my take on it? Oh, boy. Yes. Can you be found guilty for being poor? No. Well, because obviously if you had more money, you would have more resources. So therefore, you could have done more for her. So it's his fault for being poor. Is what they're saying. No, that's it. That's, right. I'm, I'm being kind of, obviously, I'm being ridiculous, but not right. really because you could say, well, how come he didn't do more? How come he didn't? Well, because. But she probably didn't want him to do more. No, she they loved found her each little other. life. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how life finds a way and finds each other. Well, you want to know what I think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Everyone, nobody gives Here a we crap go. what I say. They want to hear what you have to say. I believe that once Virginia married Alvin, she was not a little girl anymore. I believe that because of her disorder, she was protected and cared for by her family, but almost to a fault. Mm -hmm. Once she began to stand up for her marriage and for her husband, her family did not like that, so she began to pull away. Her family tried to hold on as tight as they could, but eventually Virginia cut all ties with them. She had Alvin and his parents. It was not just Alvin and Virginia. It was his parents as well. I truly believe that Virginia and Alvin were unbelievably in love and understood each other in ways no one else had or could. Once Virginia stopped her medication and her seizures returned and ultimately became worse and more frequent, she decided that she had everything she needed in that little house. Yeah. She was not alone or lonely. She had Alvin and his parents to love and take care of. Alvin's parents did not die till 1982 and 1994. His mother, Minnie, only died three years before Virginia did. Oh, wow. So it feels like they had been in that house for just decades. Right. Just. It was only three years that they were completely alone. Yeah. Virginia's tiny world was safe and comfortable and filled with so much love. See? Yeah. I'm getting choked up. I believe she died happy, and she knew that one day she would be with Alvin, her love, for eternity. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I I get it, because that's all she needed. She didn't need anything else. She had accepted who she was, where she was, and she was perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Alvin is still alive and living in their home in Ringgold, Georgia. What? Yes. And Poston and Alvin go out for lunch together at least once a week. And Poston is currently writing a book about this case. He has an Instagram account. Oh, my gosh. And I tried to contact him, and he never responded to me, and that's okay. And he has a Twitter account, and he documents his friendship with Alvin. And it's very special. Interesting. So Alvin is still there knowing all these people that basically misjudged him. I think a lot of people had to eat crow. You know what? And apologize. <laughs> I think it's And I think he kind of became a local hero and celebrity after this. 
They owe him a lot. They owe him. They better bring him an apology, a hot meal every night. <laughs> I know, just right? To, just to sh- say, like, hey, yeah. man, I'm sorry. I really screwed up. Yeah, I judged you poorly. Yeah, please accept our show of gratitude and whatever. Yeah. Here's a key to the city. You are mayor. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> so I wonder what he does now. Is he just uh, social security and probably? I mean, just, do you think he got his water turned back on? I think he got I mean, his this water is a turned long back time on. Time to not flush a yes. toilet. No, they were only without water for a limited amount of okay. time. So yeah, something had happened in there with the main water feed from the town to oh, their property. Okay, so it wasn't like they hadn't paid their bills to oh, have their water off. I'm sorry, okay. I should have said that. I See? apologize. All right. So- yes, but at that time they did not have water. But Virginia always kept a very clean home oh. inside. So the home was musty and closed up and all those things, but it was clean. Gotcha. Yes. Because that's what she could do. Yes. She could handle that because yeah. if anything happened, she's in her home where she's right, comfortable. Right. And people like to say there were cockroaches and okay, they lived out in the country. There were cockroaches. It was a falling down little house. Did you say cockroach? Cockroaches. Cockroach. Cockroaches. Say cock. <gasps> Daniel. And then say roach. Cockroaches. Yeah, cockroach. Okay. Am I been saying cockroaches, cockroaches for <laughs> wrong? <laughs> The, my entire life. The first two oh, times. Oh God! Someone said, now someone's gonna call me an that, idiot again. I know that they have cockroaches. Oh Lord, There's have mercy! No a in the middle of okay, it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> That's my California oh, nasally my God, talking. Um. Anyways, yes, there were bugs in their home, but she kept a very clean home. There's a lot of bugs in Georgia. Okay, I got a fun fact for you. You ready for this? Please. Every article that I read, Alvin is. Always compared to the character of Boo Radley in Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, which I love this book. I can see where they're trying to draw the parallels, but if anybody was going to be compared to Boo Radley, that would have been Virginia. Oh, okay. Because you remember Boo Radley was the mysterious neighbor to the Finches? Yeah. It's been a really long okay. time. And but. it was, he had not been seen in years by any of the townspeople, but he would leave Scout and her brother. Oh, God. What was her brother's name? Mike. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Joe. Robert. Jem. Jem. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. He would leave them little trinkets in the tree. And then eventually he ends up saving their life. Okay. Anyways. Now I got to read it. Now we got to go back and read it. But he kept being referred to as Boo Radley. Interesting. I mean, I could see that. I could see a little bit of the parallel. But if you take Boo Radley and Alvin and Virginia and kind of mesh Alvin and Virginia together, maybe you get Boo Radley. Yeah. But I mean, it's sweet that that's who people are comparing him to because Boo Radley is... I mean, the whole family. They're the heroines of the book. So, not to be confused with the her- heroes. Her- They're the heroes of the book. <laughs> right. I know that was a little, a little out there, but no, that's okay. Okay. So, Daniel, what did you think of my case? It's fascinating to see how it highlights how little information it takes to sway a public. Yes into believing facts that are not there. Mm-hmm. You establish a fact based on hearsay, or like you always hear in justice, like hearsay evidence. Mm-hmm. Well, that's hearsay. Because it's it's like the telephone game, right? Right. 
there is an absolute fact whispered in the first person's ear mm-hmm. in the circle. And by the time you get to the end, the story has changed completely. And that's a small group of people in the same room. So imagine when that circle goes round and round and round and round year after year after year, what people build up in their head. I mean, the recipient of that story doesn't stand a chance. And then you throw it into a poorly operated, I guess I'll say, bureaucratic system Mm -hmm. that was in that locale. Even worse, he really doesn't stand a chance. So he now is hated by everybody for false information. I believe a lot of the false information began with Virginia's family. Absolutely. Yeah. Because who wouldn't believe an immediate family member? Like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, mm-hmm. did did I tell you about what's going on? Oh no, what's going on? Right. Oh my gosh, my son-in-law is keeping our daughter chained up in their basement. We're pretty sure anyway. Right. So then that person drops off the we're pretty sure anyway and right. says their son-in-law has their daughter chained up in the basement. And yeah. then the next person's like, holy crap, are you serious? Well, why doesn't someone go over there? Well, we do, but- yeah, and they hadn't. Let us they in. hadn't even and tried. He, I, we heard he has guns, and he may, may or may not. Right? It just keeps spiraling. Yes, it's it does. Like, holy. Yeah. Anyway, so shame on you. All of my information came from articles, and there is an American Justice on this case and a Forensic Files. And like I said, I was going to give my girls, Megan and Sarah, a shout out from It's Always the Husband. I had known about this case and seen this case a few times. And then I was binging their podcast and I heard it again and I was like, okay, I want to find out some more information on this. But if you go listen to their podcast, they're hilarious and they keep me sane. (laughs) They keep me laughing and keep me sane. So go check them out for sure. Listening to them? (laughs) Not directly. I hear them from the other room. (laughs) Uh, but listening to them really makes me want to work at a deodorant factory. That's, that's all I'm going to say. So if you listen to them, then you know what I'm talking about. And I do work at a deodorant factory. So there you go. Yeah. It's different. It's different. They clearly are in more northern Midwest area based right. on their accent, yes. which is fantastic. Minnesota. Yeah. I love their accent. <laughs> Seriously. That, that is, it makes it so awesome. Oh, gosh. Anyway. Yep. We love them. If you like us and enjoy our podcast and our take on these cases, please go leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify. And if you really want more of us, come check out our Patreon and you can help executive produce our tiny little humble show. Amen. Hey, and Georgina, (laughs) thank you so much. You really make our day. (laughs) And Melissa's like, oh, my gosh, Georgina, look what she said. Yeah, you're very really sweet appreciate and you. so supportive, and we Thank appreciate you, you for yes, sure. That's all I wanted to say. No. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. And divorce is always the better option. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.